0: Bum-ba-da-ba-bum. Sound. Tony Duchesne here. Welcome to episode 131 of Drinks With Tony. My guest is Keith Rawson. Check out his new collection of short stories, Folk Songs for Trauma Surgeons. Uh, The pandemic has has just been... There's been hard weeks, and then there's been harder weeks. Uh, On Friday, my friend Adam had a heart attack, and he's still in critical condition at the hospital. So uh, friends and family are really pulling for him. This one's hard because he's like young and good looking and totally takes care of himself. He's like the last guy you'd ever think to have a heart attack. So prayers, healing vibes, you know the drill. If you can put it all, um, little, just put a little bit out there for Adam. I can't wait to hear him, I can't wait for him to heal and I know he'll be utterly disgusted with me for talking about this at the top of the show i cannot wait for his utter his utter disgust fisticuffs i tell you those are the good times anyway take care of each other this episode is dedicated to adam healing up like a champ
1: hi i'm keith rossen and you are listening to drinks with tony
0: get on the drinks with tony show You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Keith Rosin. He's the author of the novels Mer- The Mercy of the Tide and Smoke City. His new book is called Folk Songs for Trauma Surgeons. Keith, how are you doing? I am hanging in. How are you doing? The same. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, right? It's all about hanging in.
1: What, yeah. is your, what is your secret to hanging in? Um... You know, right about three weeks before um, before the pandemic kind of shut the state down, uh, my partner and I became foster parents of two a two and a three-year-old. Uh-huh. And so we kind of had a trial by fire for the past year plus of like, just like a, a surprise stay-at-home dad, like times 10, you know what I mean? And so... Um, it's really just been for me like like we're able to like start um they're able to get out of the house more with more opportunities and stuff with things opening up slightly but like it's really just like grabbing time when you can you know what i mean oh and yeah and especially being, that
0: that age they they need they need their fellow uh yeah the, they need their kids their fellow friends to horse around totally.
1: with yeah totally so it's just been like for us as parents just like making sure that we're able to do our own things, even if it's just for a little bit of time a day, you know? So, yeah. but yeah, very much a, a crazy, crazy time, but it's been crazy for everybody, you know?
0: How did, you, how did your
1: kids adjust? Did yeah, you I notice mean, anything? Yeah, I mean, you know, like foster, like kids who've been through the system are like, they, they've been through it, you know? Um, mm. And so they're doing, they're doing amazing. Um, yeah. but like I wouldn't you know this is hard for everybody it's especially hard for kids yeah so they're stoked to be hanging out with um, children to some degree again they start a part-time preschool uh, in about a week after spring break so they're uh-huh. very excited about it and what and what do preschoolers do for spring break do they go to Cancun do yeah you gotta, no, you gotta set them down there they're like back home now but then they yeah. actually they've been having like online school but now it's gonna actually get to go back to school oh wow uh, in a week um for a couple hours a day so that's very cool
0: the, the pandemic is i think it's just like with kids it just blows my mind because they this is their developing social skills yeah, time right? you know it's yeah. like they gotta be with their people and have their little conflicts that's mine yeah no, that's mine then they figure it out and then they become adjusted adults or something
1: yeah we went to the playground um Last week and and my partner and I have been pretty stringent about like, you know, we've been following protocol pretty hard, you know, but like we went to the playground and there was this girl who whenever my kid got close, she'd just like kick at her, you know, Ooh. and it's like, oh, we're all a little feral, you know, we've yeah. all gone a little feral.
0: So, yeah. I, you know, and it's like, I think even adults
1: are doing that now too. Absolutely, man. I feel <laughs> yes, absolutely. For sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, what's weird is kind of coming out of it. I'm like, I'm like meeting i pe- I'm starting to meet people for coffee and it feels uh-huh. weird. It feels am, like intimate.
1: It's yeah. I am. So um, like I was. Went into a bar to pick up food uh, the other, the other night and uh, there were people in there, you know, and I'm just like, and I've been vaccinated at this point, you know, yeah. and like, I'm just still, it's just so weird. I'm so flinchy, you know? Yeah. It's such a trip. Yeah, and it, I just didn't think that 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 like kind of social construct would feel so so flimsy, you know. But and, I'm and, real gun shy.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, you know, I grew up with I grew up seeing bands all the time. I see you got a black flag shirt on, you know. Mm-hmm. I grew right. up like just smashed in the pit with just you know <laughs> can't move anywhere, right. sweat, blood, you know. Yeah, and, right. And, I, and it's just like that doesn't even seem like it's a reality anymore yeah totally i hear you yep for sure yeah it's um you know i mean i was doing that into my 40s which is hilarious right. I, was, I was still writing music for uh the san francisco i was covering music for the san francisco chronicle so and lived right in the tenderloin in san francisco so yeah. i was out three nights a week just seeing bands
1: right you No, know, since i was 18 yeah <laughs> but, just... You know, my last show that I saw was just right down the street at this uh, this bar called the Kenton Club, uh-huh. and it was a I just had wandered in, and it was a, a Clash cover band, and oh, I was boy. just like the whole night. I was just like, "This is so dumb," blah blah blah, like <laughs> you know, like kind of mocking it and everything. And this past year, I've just been like, "Oh my god, I would love to see that show again." You know, yeah, uh, so. <laughs> it's, it's now the
0: best show of twenty. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> Yep,
0: I know my uh, my last, the last band I saw was Sun at mm-hmm. um, at the Hollywood uh, Forever Cemetery. And the and the and I that's the first time I ever been to that venue, mm-hmm. and it was just a barrage of just drone, yeah. And right. I got a little stoned before and it was just like perfect uh. stone. And I was just like, ah, oh. and then then yeah. I had to do a bunch of traveling and I had to put you know, I didn't, I had all these tickets for like I for uh, this, I had swans. I introduced annoy tickets in like three different cities set up for mm-hmm. 2020. Right. Sun was the last gig.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yep. Did you grow up in Portland? You know, I grew up in Newport, Oregon. So a little coastal town. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big uh, big tourist town, fishing town. It's oh, where cool. they filmed uh, or where Free Willy, the uh, the Orca went to live after the filming of that show was done. That was our big claim to fame for a while. Huh um and then i moved to um portland when i was in my early 20s so i've been here yeah. like 20 plus years so. it's,
0: it's it's funny i grew up in a small suburb of uh the bay area mm. and then the minute i could i moved to san francisco
1: yeah right right yeah
0: <laughs> it's it just uh i don't know what it is about being like near a city and then just that drive to have to be in the middle of it
1: yeah you know it's weird too because like uh Robin, my partner and I, we go to, um, we go back to Newport and to other, the little coastal towns that dot it. And I would just love it. You know, like I, I miss it so much, which is such a weird um, pain in the ass. You know what I mean? To be Mm -hmm. like, I wanted to leave here so bad. And now it's like, you know, nice, like folks are nice and it's like, I miss the beach so bad, you know? Um, So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a interesting little turnaround there. Yeah, it's it's so it's so weird as we get older.
0: I know, yeah. I was thinking about it. I was just like, oh, you know, I want to go back to Milbrae cuz I just haven't been there and even when I lived in San Francisco, there was no reason to go 20 minutes out to the suburb, you know. And yeah, totally. Yep. Now and now it's just it would be like uh, you know, I everything that I grew up was gone, the bowling alleys and the sad diners, but you know.
1: Right. It's Yeah. I feel a lot of the same way with Newport, my little town like a lot of it's like charm has, has been replaced with like a, a veneer of a lot of new money, like retirement money and stuff like that, you know, and everything's just a lot more slick, you know, but the beach is still there. Um, yeah. and that's a big one for me. So.
0: Well, you may be retiring there in a couple decades yourself, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. If it's, you'll be, the, you'll be the one where
0: everyone's like, Oh, this damn retirement money's coming in. Yeah.
1: Oh no, right. gee. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yep. Yep. Uh, when did you start writing uh you know I started um writing punk zines when I was a teenager um yeah. and so like like you know I did uh I did a vow yeah when I started it when I was 19 I think yeah um and did that for a decade uh did like 24 25 issues um wrote for a bunch of other fanzines and then have always been like a voracious reader of fiction and so started like I'd written a number of just wretched novels. as like a young man, you know? Um, and But around 30, I started getting a little bit more serious with uh, writing short fiction and sending it out. And so I started to get some um, some uh, publication credits. And I think my first book was, um, that was published was The Mercy of the Tide. And I think I had written like three books before that that were just just didn't bring me there you know what i mean
0: oh yeah it's yeah. how we do it right. people go how do you learn how to write a novel you write a novel and yeah. that
1: novel is usually gonna suck but that's yeah. how you learn yeah
0: it's you just have to jump right into the what you know the deep end and pray, yeah. pray it doesn't get published because
1: it's terrible yeah right yeah and that's that's one of the big like i've been doing a lot of podcasts recently like for folk songs and uh-huh. a lot of cool like classes and and I keep getting asked, like, what would you do? Like, what kind of advice or whatever would you offer? And, and the thing I keep coming back to it is totally in line with that. And it's just like giving yourself permission to write a shitty first draft, you know? Yeah. cuz like, if we, if we just obsess over the first 10 pages of a thing and they got to just be perfect before you can move forward, you're never, it's never going to be done, you know?
0: So. Yeah. It's almost like a, Give yourself permission to to be messy.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. And it'll be like once you finish the thing and have a draft, that informs how your characters act. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll know more about them. And so that will inform how they act at the beginning in a way that you didn't really know them at first. You know what I mean? So it's just, you just got to finish
0: it. It's almost like you got to develop a relationship with the character. And the only way to do that is to just write the whole thing.
1: That's exactly how I feel. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
0: And it's so much fun. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I like that. The, um, cause not only from the, from, uh, like the first 10 pages to the end of the book, uh, are you, you're you're a better writer by the time you get to the end of yeah. the book, you're a better writer and you've spent time with the character. So those first 10 pages are gonna change because now the characters made their choices, you know? Yeah,
1: and, that's exactly it, yeah. And it's like, oh, he wouldn't even say this, he would say this, or he would react this way, or, or these two people would do this when faced with each other, you know? Yeah. Well, you're learning, you're learning as you go, you know?
0: And that's the sexiest part of all of this. I, just, <laughs> I really love, the, you just, you get to know your characters. It's, right. just, who else has a job where they do that? Where they just, right, right. they go, I wanna create people and then they do the thing and you're like
1: oh they do that (laughs) right yeah it's cool when it goes well it's cool yeah um when it's a struggle it's like the weirdest uh weirdest difficulty imaginable when it's when you're stuck you know but when it's going well it's it's there's nothing else like it
0: yeah that's why we joined this club
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: i love that you started with zines that's right i have your uh, anthology of the about yeah. right and i think um it's just it's some people like some people wait for permission like they, they they'll try to submit before doing their own thing they'll just be like oh i need to get in the atlantic that mm-hmm. that'll mean i'm a writer so they, they'll keep trying to get that way But to but to just throw a zine together of what you're passionate about and get it out there, right? That that creates a better writer, and also people actually dig it. It's Mm
1: -hmm. you know that's such a like I've never thought of it that way, but like I can see myself as a young writer, young fiction writer. I could see um, that need for validation. You know, Um, I had a lot of that. Um, And I still get trapped up in that stuff for sure that that sense of like, validity, like I will be, I'll be a writer's writer when I land a piece here or when this happens, you know, and it's like that is uh, As somebody with a numerous books out who still struggles with imposter syndrome, all the time. That is such a weird nefarious little brain twist, you know, but it's so real. Yeah, I've it blows
0: my mind i've um you know i've i've interviewed authors who've been on the bestseller list for 20 books on the new york times bestseller list right and they all have imposter syndrome when they start a new draft and it's just yeah. it's like thank you for telling me that
1: it's that same terror every time of like i'm not gonna be able to do it this time yeah you know yeah totally
0: and then you got to play with your mind and, and do the i i gotta do weird mind tricks where you know, I used to be a lot more grandiose with my delusions, you know, uh-huh. before I was published. Now I'm just right. like, now I'm like, oh, this might get published and someone yeah. might read it. And like in totally. the olden days, it was like this will get published, it'll be turned into a film. I'll get the Oscar for best, you know. The, the, now those delusions are gone because I know how that works. Right. Worked. Totally. Yeah. Now, now I'm just like, I hope somebody reads this.
1: Right. Yep.
0: What's it, what's it, what was it like um, as a writer in Portland? Cause I feel like Portland's got a great like literary scene really from the outside. I haven't been, I haven't been. So.
1: Yeah. You know, I, um, I'm part of a really cool writers group here. Um, we have been uh, struggling a bit with, you know, doing epi- like doing getting together uh, with the pandemic, but we're still meeting like, you know, on zoom and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, there's a ton of, uh, ton of writers here. I feel like it's, it's kind of focused a bit on the literary scene. Um, but I think there's like all, all genres of folks are represented here. You know what I mean? Um, I don't go to as many, or at least I didn't go to as many readings as I might've wanted to. Um, and I'm sure, sure as hell not going to, um, even online stuff now like with kids it's a pretty like it's kind of a full-time job so uh, yeah but yeah there's some incredible incredible writers here and it's it's pretty tight-knit you know yeah
0: and I, I remember um I remember finding out that uh Chuck Polinick lived near near Portland I never yeah. knew where right,
1: so right it's a
0: big secret in what what uh what suburb he's in unless sure. everyone in Portland knows I don't know
1: I have no idea yeah
0: <laughs> It's like LA because I'm in Los Angeles now. I was like, when I first came down here, I was like uh, standing at a cafe talking to a dude and John C. Riley was walking toward me. You know that actor? Yeah. And it just blew my mind. I was like, oh shit. (laughs)
1: And
0: and he saw my mind blown. So his eyes like averted from me. Like I was. Right, right. uh, About uh, to make a scene or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. He doesn't know me. I get it. Right, right. I was trying to pretend like I was having a conversation utterly like aware that he was walking right by me right I told one of my friends who lives down here I was like oh my god you're not gonna believe this John C. Riley walked by me when I was at um, the, the cafe was called Chango when I was at Chango he's like oh yeah he's got a house right near there I'm just like yeah wait what <laughs> it was not right they, right they just all know where they mm. so I'm trying to figure out is that the same in Portland
1: does everyone know where Chuck
0: Palahniuk lives and they're just not telling yeah
1: me? you know I, I I don't really like I'm trying to think of like a, a an author that would walk by and i'd be like holy shit oh my god and um i'm drawing a blank like there are writers that i that i love you know um but it would be it would be weird to like kind of like just knowing like what writing is like and how lonely it can be and all that you know like ascribing like like a a, a a larger status to them you know like oh man you write shitty drafts just like i do don't yeah. you yeah know? so. <laughs> exactly it's, yeah it's 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 where we
0: it's almost like the wizard of oz we're seeing behind the curtain right you, yeah you, right hi you, you see the um the uh when I, when I used to think that you know everyone when i read a book i just assumed it was the first draft of right, right totally like, like even on the road Jack Kerouac and they kind of touted like oh it was the first draft no that was many drafts like right you know, it's, but, yeah but it's just
1: and then you think oh yeah I could just write like that and then it'll be done right <laughs> yeah I mean there are tons of writers um that if I if I like saw them at a a book signing or a panel or something I'd be like wholeheartedly like gushing about how great their stuff is you know what I mean but yeah um, and you'll remember oh go ahead Oh, I think I, I've, I think I've surpassed the point where I'm like, like, it's like, it's kind of a mundane celebrity sort of thing for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. It's weird. Have have you had people come up to you and
0: go, oh man, it just kind of like gush over your work where you're just kind of like,
1: whoa, what?
0: Yeah, I, been- you're better than me. Why are you
1: talking? <laughs> right. Well, there's been some folks that are like, um, like kind of peruse my stuff like pretty um avidly and so they know a lot of stuff about like what i've written or whatever like almost more than i you know like i've kind of forgotten about it a bit yeah um so that's always like very cool and also like (laughs) i'm like my shit's not that rad you know like that imposter syndrome comes up again yeah um so but like just i mean anyone who like buys a book or like you know wants wants it signed or like sends an email you know like it's just I just feel so lucky because like when you think of it we're just we're pulling this out of nothing you know it's coming from nothing and so to have somebody like appreciate it is it, it feels pretty profound
0: yeah it's it, it's uh, when, when I was te- when I used to teach novel writing classes I one of the first assignments was they had to write a letter to their favorite novelist right a, just a fan letter and not and no expectations just mm-hmm. gush over what they liked and thank them for the book totally and so the the the, the kids would write letters and they would get like responses and they, their mind mm-hmm. was blown i'm like yeah and these people are not getting a lot of compliments because right. to work. <laughs> we're not sending notes to everyone we
1: read and it just yeah. it blew their mind how accessible right writers are. and how yeah and how like uh I, i've certainly gotten those at like dark times or like profoundly insecure times. And it's been a boost, you know? So.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know. I've,
1: I've, uh, there's been times where I'm like, I've made
0: the worst decisions in my life. Why am I, why have I done this? And right. then I'll get i I'll get a note of someone who uh, comments on uh, my book or the film and, and, and what it did for them. And I'm just like, kind of like, oh, yeah. Okay. I used to really care about what it did for people. I don't care so much anymore,
1: but I, yeah.
0: I care that, um, that it means something, I guess, a bit.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. What yeah. I,
0: I don't know. It shifted. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I wanted the message to get out and I didn't care about the message anymore. I just cared that they yeah. changed them.
1: Yeah. I feel like, I mean, somebody asked like what my ideal reader is and I'm just like, I have no idea. Like, I mostly write this stuff because I think it's I I get enjoyment out of it and so I guess my ideal reader is whoever is into this weird mishmash of literary and and genre stuff you know what I mean like that's it and that's like uh, a pretty wide hopefully a wide-reaching group of people so yeah did you take writing classes or uh, do you you know I, um, I was in like the like upper echelon creative writing thing in high school. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to art school, um, we had to do a placement tests and I landed in the second lowest English comprehension class because I had no understanding of like basic grammar or like parts of speech or any of that. And I still don't really. Like um, Robin talked about a, a, a prefix or a prefix. Uh, A couple days ago and I was I did not know I don't know what a prefix is you know what I mean like that very basic boots on the ground level of English like it's still I know it kind of innately and subconsciously but like defining parts of speech in a sentence like I could not do that I could not diagram that and so um all of this has just mostly been like writing groups and just knuckling down and writing 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 so,
0: I think grammar yeah.
1: can get in the way. Grammar can get in the way of the creative process. Yeah, I mean, I I am profoundly grateful for editors uh, yeah. who have fixed my books because um, I it, it looks like a bloodbath every manuscript, you know. <laughs> um, but they fix it. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, there's somewhere. For continuity's sake, um, I don't want this because it's it's going to come into play later. I don't want, this needs to be like this. But nine times out of 10, they catch shit that I had no idea was wrong, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. but <clears throat> I used to think that authors always stood up, you know, back when I was young and like, you got to be like, authors stand up to their editors and say, right. no, it's got to be this way or no way at all. And right. then I started like you know i started drinks with tony and started interviewing writers you know 20 years ago and i was like so what's it like working with your editor expecting all this like fire and oh yeah i told them that they can just shove it up there you know and they're like oh i take every note they give me and they're usually right and it blew my mind that that's how it works but they're great editors do they they're they're in that part you know
1: and just like um like I am uh, I'm working on a, a, a revision of this novel right now. Um, and I had a beta reader tacklet, which I I don't think I've ever had a beta reader before, but this was just not, it was okay, you know? Mm. But so he's he read it and he offered the most profound, helpful, incredible notes on like both big picture and specifics and I'm like I they open windows that we can't open as writers you know um and it's like that ain't that ain't confrontational that's like thank you very much yeah you know
0: it's about serving the story
1: on every level right and I'm like I'm lucky to have people like that in my life that can do that you know and who are so whip smart that they can do it well
0: yeah it's so much fun like uh like workshopping I've noticed you know especially when people start taking classes here and there and they're so timid with workshopping and they'll take offense at everything but once you really get into it you're not taking offense you're like hit me hit me harder it's almost like you're right. in a, you're in a boxing like you know you're like getting ready for the big fight and you're just like you gotta like throw your whole punch at me so i know how to take a punch
1: kind right of and and like so much of that too is just like understanding like you don't have to take every bit of it like with that you know what i mean like in a workshop because that's like however many people in a workshop you don't necessarily they aren't necessarily your trusted friends or your editor other people have agendas that sort of shit you know but like you can take what you want and leave the rest like that's not a big deal um but yeah with like editors like i lend a lot of credence to what editors say because um it's there. It's not meant to be um, uh, unhelpful. You know what I mean? It's supposed yeah. to be like dragging your story out of the muck. So
0: they're almost like uh, they're almost like music producers, where you know you, you come up with the song or totally. whatever, then you go into studio and you got a you got the engineer and the right and they're part of the whole package. We never totally. see them. We don't know who the engineer was on. You know. The certain records or whatever, right. but, but they are a part of the band in a
1: certain. Totally, way. yep, agreed. Yeah, I'm glad we agree on that
0: because <laughs> this has just been a disagreeable conversation.
1: Absolutely, Jesus God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait till we go to the bars again. That's right. <laughs> I don't
1: even know if I want to go to
0: a bar again.
1: I I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm definitely. Looking, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um that, uh, I don't know. I, once the flinchy phase is over, if it ever is for me, like I look forward to that, to fellowship again of of some kind, you know,
0: this is going to affect us so much, even like 10, 15 years from now, everything's just shifted, you know, where just, you you know, as the new teenagers kind of grow up and they're just like, yeah, we, what are you guys talking about? You weirdos, you're Mm -hmm. scared of this. This is just normal life. And we're like,
1: yeah totally yeah yeah it'll be interesting to to see um how things change you know yeah uh, over time like i was thinking about it like remember remember when
0: 9-11 happened and then airport security just got tight and how how much it sucked Mm -hmm. you know and then now it's just routine right the tsa check Take all your clothes off, spread your butt cheeks. They say, yeah. look, look, sir, there's kids in line here. Can you not spread your butt cheeks <laughs> right. here? Yeah. And, but <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but but we're used to it. We're taking our shoes off. Right. Before 9 11, if someone asks you to take your shoes off, you kick them in the balls.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a trip. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Yeah. You, like, like what? mask stuff and like um, stuff like that. Like, I imagine a lot of people, that's just going to be a permanent avenue they go down you know yeah. so um yeah it's a trip
0: i'm looking at people's eyes so much more i'm trying to i'm trying to mm. communicate with eyes a lot more
1: yeah trying to acknowledge like hi i'm smiling but like how do yeah. i do that I yeah asking?
0: yeah just yeah. yeah i was i was talking to uh someone that i think it was a dude at a grocery store who's working there and i was asking him you know can you tell if people are smiling or something he's like yeah i can tell i could tell yeah. by looking at their eyes their facial expressions
1: oh yeah right on
0: the grocery store clerks are the new rock stars of
1: yeah man it's rough it's rough the whole yeah it's rough
0: yeah, yeah. i'm just i'm just like thank you yeah
1: thank you. Thank you. thankless job to begin with a lot of times and like a lot catch a lot of uh the brunt of people's shittiness you know and yeah uh, make it like a potentially lethal position on top of that you know i know
0: yeah blows my mind i know i'm getting my second vaccine in a few weeks and i can't wait i never yeah. thought in my life i would say that out
1: loud right it yeah the second one it it knocked knocked me and my partner out for a, a bit um, yeah It was pretty gnarly but like
0: hey here we are here we are yeah. Fli- flinching less and
1: mm-hmm. and public situations yeah for sure yep
0: keith man thank you so much for coming on the show
1: yeah thank you for sure
0: yeah keith rosson on drinks with tony check out his new book folk songs for trauma surgeons next week on the show we have jordan a rothaker discussing his new book the death of the cyborg oracle have you noticed many times on the show we don't even discuss the books why do i pretend that that's going to be the discussion next week we'll probably talk about something like how to prevent glaucoma But in the end, I hope you enjoy these conversations and check out the books by the authors on this show. What are you doing next week? I mean, other than listening to the next episode of Drinks with Tony. Have a great weekend.